our vision, our heart, our core values here at Hillside are to raise people up, that everyone in the body is called to ministry, everybody in the body has a part, and we're not just here to receive, but we're here to grow and to give and offer what the Lord's put in us. So Todd is going to minister the word again today. He's been carrying something in his spirit. It's going to be a powerful, life-changing word. So I'd like us to pray for him, and uh, then I can't wait to hear all of what pours out. We love this man. We love this man, Jesus. We love this son of the house who's literally been here since the beginning of the days of Hillside. And I pray that today, Spirit of God, you will anoint Todd fresh and pour out of him the word as fresh out of his mouth as it was when he first received it. Just share from the heart of God in Jesus' name. Pour it out on him fresh, and we open our spiritual ears wide to receive all of what you have in store for us today. Bless this man and overwhelm us with an impartation today from heaven. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You guys hear me okay? This is one. Awesome. Thank you for the feedback on that one. So, uh, like, I have to start with a story. This is going to be scary because it's a story about our marriage, and Hannah just left the room, so I might get in trouble, like, when she watches the stream in a few, you know, a few days. But um, it, uh, two weeks ago, so we were, we were sitting out, I think we were eating dinner or something like that, and, and she goes, uh, she goes, well, we had an opportunity to, to be in worship together in, in, the, uh, in the audience, which is un- unusual for us as we're all usually different serving. I'm either up on stage or she's in children's ministry like today. But anyway, we're together. And then she said afterwards at, at, a, at a meal, she's like, I, I really don't like worshiping with you. I'm like, wait, what? And so I like, my heart like dropped and, and I, um, I put on my like, you know, uh, really concerned husband face, which I don't know what that looks like. But anyway, I, I was, uh, I was like, wait, what, what do you mean? Like, am I doing something wrong? Do I not wear enough deodorant or then a shower or something like that? Or, and she goes, no, you always poke me in the face with your elbow. I'm like, what do you mean? And so we were, we were talking and I realized that when I would like lift my hands, I lift like this. And she's like, why do you do that? Like, why do you have like a wide stance when you w- raise your hands in worship? And I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, it's because, you know, the shirts that I wear, I'm kind of a tall guy and, and shirts are made like deep and wide. They're not made like just deep you know, uh, for, for guys. So I don't want to have like a, a belly shirt, you know, put my hands up the whole way. That's a little bit weird. And, and you guys wouldn't want to see that. And, and so she suddenly realized after 17 years of marriage, actually be 17 uh, years of marriage this Sunday, yeah, next Sunday, sorry, next Sunday. Had her, yeah, thank you. It wasn't fishing for compliments there, but just, it was actually more like, man, 17 years and I haven't known that she doesn't want to worship with me next to me because of my elbows. So now I know 17 years in to our marriage, one more thing about Hannah and she knows one more thing about me. And so maybe she'll get me some like better fitting shirts or something like that in the, in the future. But why was I sharing about that? Oh yeah. Cause <laughs> I, I think, I think of relationships, like I think of the Bible, um, we can, we can exist with the, our relationship, right? With for so, so long and really never, fully understand who that other person is next to us. I mean, spouses do it, best friends do it. You're always learning. You should be in a posture of learning about the other person. And I think the same way about the Bible. There was a passage that I was reading, and I've read it probably you know, countless times, um, and I was reading a different translation and looking at the footnotes like I do sometimes, and man, it just opened up for me. Um, so I, I like to think of 
maybe we should approach the Bible, well, we should, not just maybe, we should approach the Bible like we approach our relationships. Always be willing to discover, I think I, a, a few, uh, I preached at one time about curiosity, about being aware of what God's doing. So let's be curious today about the scripture um, with me and, and we'll learn some more together. I want to look at Ephesians 1.13. Vincent, you can put that up there, hopefully. Uh, yeah, the title today is Sealed by God. And so I'll read the scripture and you'll see what I mean. In him, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So uh, I was talking with Michael, where's Michael, about seals, like his, his engine is, has some seals that are poor, so it's leaking oil. Uh, and that's sad, but it's not the kind of seal we're talking about here. But let's, let's just back up a little bit and talk about what, what's happening in the verse, right? We listen, so we listen to the truth. After listening to the message of truth, we listen to the message of truth of what God says and what he does through Jesus. And then we believe it, right? We're not just listening. We're not just hearers only, but we do it. We believe it. Now we are sealed in him. Now the word sealed, I love to look at the Greek stuff about it. It's um, uh, put that word up for me. I had, to, I had to put it up there and spell it out like phonetically. Go ahead to the next slide, Vince. It's uh, sephra gizo. Sephra gizo. And when I feel like I, when I was saying it yesterday, gi, I feel like you can do the, the Italian hands, the, the gizo. So do that with me in Italian hands. Is that the right way to do it? Gizo, gizo, okay. I don't know, I'm not Italian, so um, hopefully I'm not offended anybody about that. But anyway, sephra gizo, what does it mean? It means the first meaning, there's a couple meanings that it's used by in the Bible, but it's the first meaning is to mark a person or thing. And when I first thought of seals, just picturing it, and this is one of the meanings of the word sephragizo, is that it's a, I thought of a seal on an official document, right? If you have a birth certificate around your house or a passport or a marriage license or some other license, it has a seal on it. And what does the seal signify? Uh, it signifies a whole bunch, but a few things. So first of all, like where the document is from. So the seal on my birth certificate, it says Pennsylvania, right? I know the origin. I know the origin of where I was born because of the seal. Uh, well, more than that, but my parents told me too. But the seal says it makes it official. If we've been sealed by God, we know our origin, right? If we've been, we've been sealed by God, we're marked. We know where we're from. Um, Genesis 1:27. Uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. I love that it says three times he created I feel like when, when the scripture's repeated twice, we should really pay attention. When it's repeated three times, we really, really, really got to pay attention. Underline and bold that God created us. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's workmanship. Or we're God's handicraft. So we know where we're from. We're marked by God. We're created by him. So that's the first aspect of what a seal means. To be sealed by God means that we're marked by him. We're created by him. We're his. So the second one, the second aspect of a seal, just think about a document again is a document is sealed to certify it as genuine or authentic, right? So to be genuine or authentic means you can trust it as being unchanged from the original, to be pure, to be the real thing. To be authentic means to be true to what it claims to be, right? So the birth certificate thing, uh, you know, it's, it's sealed so we know it's, it's uh, legit. It's actually where you say it's from. So when you get a copy of it, it's got to have the same seal on it and all that stuff. That, you know, if your passport has a seal on it so you know that it's, it's uh, the authentic document, it's not changed. You know, we have lots of documents and lots of things that we have that um, are marked so that they are authentic. And I was, I was looking at the, the verses in Leviticus, Leviticus 19, 2 and 27 say this, that you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
and consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am the Lord your God. So these scriptures I've often looked at, I've always looked at probably for years as a command, right? And they are a command. Like there's the, the times when they were, the Israelites were instructed with these words. They were to set themselves apart. They were to stop doing what they were doing. They were to create a, a special space for God to move and including special behaviors. They were to stop doing what they were doing like normal and they were treated a special way. But I've also come to understand that that scripture is not just a command, but it's also a benediction too, that God is saying, be holy, um, and by that, I mean that he's actually kind of blessing us with the gift of holiness too. He does that for us. Um, so when we are sealed by God, we're marked with that seal on our hearts, on our bodies, on our spirits that we're set apart and we are made holy. That's pretty exciting to me. It's not just a, a command to be holy, which it is. I'm not d- dismissing that part, but it's also in addition to a command, it's a benediction or a blessing to be holy. So if you're sealed by God today. You are made holy in his eyes by the gift of Jesus today. So we're sealed. We're made holy. And if you want to get really radical, y'all do, right? I hope so. First Corinthians six nineteen said, you know, talks about be getting radical. Paul was addressing a group of people in Corinthians. They were some some wild folks there, um, and he said, and kind of like us in in our society today too, I think that who use their bodies as just as a means to chase pleasure, right? They and he must have shocked Paul. Must have shocked many people when he said, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received by God. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That's got to be a foreign concept to somebody who's used to just going and saying, what do I feel like doing today? What do I feel like making me feel good? Even today, modern days, we have this, this thing about if it feels good, do it or follow your heart. But Paul is saying something really radical and a challenge for us too, that our bodies are not our own. And so when we're sealed by God, we need to remember that we're created by him, right? We're authenticated uh, and we're also not our own, we're God's. So we treat our bodies as a vessel of the Holy Spirit, which is radically powerful and radically different in our behavior and our outlook in life. So that's the third aspect of sealing, that we are not our own, but we're God's. Um, I came to really understand some of this when I was at a wedding a few weeks ago in Gettysburg. Um, I love weddings for many reasons. I worked there professionally as a photographer. Um, and one of my favorite parts of the wedding, and I'm, I'm selfish in saying this, is the perception because they get to eat. And usually it's really, really good food. And so I walked into the reception in Gettysburg um, and discovered a wonderful thing. So before my eyes were trays and platters and bowls full of the best looking and smelling and then soon to be tasty Cajun food I've ever seen. Like there was jambalaya, there was blackened catfish, there was gumbo, there was other dishes I couldn't even pronounce. All right. And I was, my mouth is watering now and it's kind of is now. And I apologize again for, I think Michael yeah, doesn't like when we talk about food from the pulpit. So I apologize for that. Uh, if you're getting hungry already, but anyway, we'll move on. Um, uh, that I asked an innocent question to the guy behind the counter who was kind of like, you know, he had prepared all the food and brought it there, everything. And I said, uh, are you from the area? And he looks at me. He didn't even hesitate, but I got to set it up a little bit. He kind of like steps back a little bit. And I don't know if he actually said Hrumpf, like that, or, but I think yeah, I felt it in my heart from his expression. And he says, I was born and raised in Louisiana. And I didn't even pronounce it the way he did properly, but I'm trying my best here. Um, he knew where he was from, right? And it was super important to him and to me to, in order to uh, underscore the genuineness and the authenticness of 
what he had prepared to remind me, I was just asking an innocent question, right? Uh, but to remind me where he was really from, not where he may have lived temporarily, but where he was really from. And, you know, it, it blew me away after, as I was enjoying the meal, I was thinking about it. It was like a huge plate of food. It's very tasty. And he's, I realized that, you know, we are called to be like that man too. Some of you in prayer a few weeks ago might've heard me share this already because it was an awesome story, but we're called to be like that uh, man from Louisiana who knows where we're from and where are we from? If you look at uh, in Philippians, Philippians 3.20, we're, there's a reminder that we're not first citizens of the U.S. or any other country you're from. Don Boy's not here yet, but if he was here, I'd say he's from Canada, you know. But we're not citizens of the U.S. or Canada or wherever we're from. We're citizens first of, the US, of, the, of uh, heaven. Um, and the U.S. citizenship, the Canadian citizen, that's secondary to our citizenship in heaven. Um, and it's a challenge because if our heritage and our DNA is of heaven, right, are we acting like citizens of heaven? Um, that man from Louisiana, you know, he, he got why it was important to share where he was from, right? Because he, he knew that to demonstrate the authenticity of his food, it would sound a little bit different. He said, I was, yeah, I was raised in Halifax, Pennsylvania. This is my Cajun food that I learned in Halifax, right? Wouldn't have the same ring to it. It was important that he shared with authority where he was from. And that's the same thing that we are the seal of God in us when it marks us as citizens of heaven also uh, plays into our purpose. And I believe plays into our fruit of our lives too. If we know we're citizens of heaven, we're going to start acting like citizens of heaven. And we're going to de- demonstrate the fruit and manifest the, the, the goodness of heaven. You know, so maybe I should say this. If, if uh, you know, we, this cook, he knew where he was from and where, where he was from mattered because it shaped and strongly influenced what he was cooking. So what are you cooking today? Are you ma- manifesting? Are you demonstrating the gifts of heaven, the citizenship of heaven today? Um, and you know, the, the citizenship that we have from heaven is not something like we have in the United States where you're, you're kind of passively given it when you're born, right? You're kind of, you're born into it. If you've been born in the U.S., you get citizenship automatically, but citizens of heaven, right? It's an active thing. It says in Colossians 3.12, so those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved. So we're not just passively given our citizenship as if it's an automatic thing, but God specifically chose us. It's like an upgrade to the regular citizenship, you know, that we get as a U.S. citizenship. We're, we're, we're chosen by him. Um, and how do we act as citizens? If you uh, finish reading that Colossians 3 passage, I'll put it up here. Colossians 3, 13 through verse 17. Let's just read it. Uh, we put on a heart of compassion, of kindness, of humility, and gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint, against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must you do also. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ, to which you were indeed called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of God richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him, to God the Father. That's a lot to, to, to weigh on our hearts, but let's think back again. Do you know where you're from? Think about that Louisiana cook. Where you're from matters. It shapes and strongly influences your cooking and your life work, right? 
So being sealed by God means we know where we're from, that we're authentically God's, right? From the inside out, we're his, we're made holy by him and speaks to our purpose and our life work. Um, So having a seal on a piece of paper, going back to the paper analogy, also grants us authority, grants the paper authority, think about it, without the seal, that birth certificate is not, not a valid document. Without a seal, my license is not a valid document. You can think of many, many documents that aren't valid without that seal. It's, it gives the paper authority. And um, so I'm thinking of two different kinds of seals, and I'll kind of back up a little bit to the ancient times they had seals that were made of wax. It was like a, you know, they melted some wax, dripped it on paper to seal a document, a scroll or an envelope. Then they stamped it with a signet ring that the king wore, uh, or they had a, a special kind of, I don't know what you would call it, had a signet ring, but they, they stamped that seal on, and sealed the document, you know, physically, but also with that signet ring, which made an impression on that mark. So in modern times, we don't have signet rings and wax anymore. We have signatures, right? We sign documents. Like you, you probably have seen governors lately have, governors uh, sign laws into being, the uh, presidents sign laws. Uh, once they do, once they put that signature on that paper, it now becomes law. So that signature brings and grants authority to it. So when we're sealed by God, first of all, just picture this, that we are signed by God, like his signature on us. As you know, a piece of artwork has a, a signature of the artist because it's, it's theirs, their own in that. God has signed, signed you. Another meaning of the word seal is to be signed. We're signed by God. God has his hand in our hearts. But it also means that we carry the authority of a signer. Can you let that rest for a little bit? Just think about that for a second, that we have the authority of God because we've been sealed by him, we've been signed by him. And I'm not trying to get that signed, sealed, and delivered song out of my head, uh, but that was a song written in the 70s, right, Craig? It's not even here, that that joke, but um, yeah. So get that song out of my head now. Thank you, God. Um, So focus, here we go. So we, we, uh, we can't underestimate that authority at all. And we do all the time. I just wanted to summarize a little bit some of the authority we've been given. Like Hebrews 4, 14 and 16 says that we can approach God with confidence, boldly approach God with confidence. Um, we don't need a go-between anymore. We have Jesus made a way for us and now we can go to God directly. And don't underestimate that. Uh, second, we have been the, given the authority to make disciples. It's often called the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. So we have the authority to make disciples. Luke 10, 19 says that Jesus gave his disciples and us the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So Jesus, uh, in his great wisdom, delegated authority to us, right? He, he had been given all authority by God, and he delegated things to us to do. So uh, let me explain it in a different way. When I was given a driver's license, I studied for the test and passed it. Um, I was given a huge list of things I could and couldn't do with my driver's license. Like I can drive a car, but I can't drive an 18-wheeler. I can drive a car, but I can't fly an airplane. You know, I can drive a car on the right side of the road, but I'm not in England. I can't drive it on the left side of the road, right? There's a whole huge list of things I could and couldn't do. And I want to give a shout out to Amber because Amber and I were discussing this a few weeks ago about the authority of Jesus. And she reminded me of something important um, that I was kind of taken back at first. She said, it was Jesus delegated to us a specific authority to heal 
and to cast out demons, right? To trample on snakes and, sor- and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. He gave us authority to baptize and to preach in his name, but he didn't delegate the authority to us to pronounce judgment in the form of condemnation. Um, so we are called to discern and separate truth from falsehood. And we are told that one day what we will in future tense judge angels. But I find it fascinating that Jesus didn't authorize us to do what we often do by default, right? Uh, by natural power alone, I find it a whole lot easier. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself to like get in the posture of judgment towards somebody rather than the, the aspect of um, operating in the gift of healing or casting out demons and seeing people free. Naturally, we, we tend to go towards that default of, of uh, judgment and condemnation instead of going towards that default, a new default of casting out demons and healing. And I'm just declaring today that what if we flip that around, right? We, we judged a whole lot less and we healed and delivered people a whole lot more uh, John fourteen twelve says this, that whoever believes in Jesus will do all the works that Jesus does and even greater. And I love, I love uh, looking at words and even greater means both quantity. That makes sense, right? We're, we're disciples of God and we're more than just, you know, Jesus was only one man on earth and now he's got millions and billions of disciples. And so that makes sense that we can do greater things in quantity, but the word doesn't mean just quantity, also means magnitude. So it should get us excited when you think about this. If Jesus healed lame feet, what greater things are we called to do? What greater things are we able to do, right? If we, he caused eyes to see and ears to hear, what greater things are we to do? If he raised people from the dead, what greater things are we called to do? So if we, see, if we are sealed by God and we have his authority, we're expected to operate in it. And this is both a challenge, but it should get you excited a little bit to see and to go after greater things because God has called us to it. And he said it. He said that he expects us to have greater in number and greater in magnitude and power when we operate in his authority. So I want to see a flip of that. I want to see us less known for judgment and more known for healing and delivering and setting people free. Amen. Um, So one aspect of of being sealed, and this this one uh, got me too, that we are sealed for protection from Satan. I, I think this is one seal that trips us up. And let me explain that when we are sealed by God, um, some of us picture this, and maybe I pictured this too, of like the bubble boy, you know, like sealed, sealed from the outside world by like this uh, dome of plastic. And, or maybe you thought like somebody wrapping you in, not saran wrap, but like wrapping you like bubble wrap, you know, where you're kind of ready to take the world and you're kind of sealed and protected. Um, and, and kind of removed from any interaction with the world or at least slowed down. Like that bubble boy couldn't really interact with the world because he was separated. And so while we were called to be holy, to be set apart, we're also called to be in the world, but not of it. And our theme verse for our church is in Matthew 5, 14, where it says we are, we as a church are called to be a light to the world. And it says in that scripture, if you keep reading it, that we don't just hide that light. We set it up on a hill. Or we set it up. We set a lamp high up. You know, my lamps are in the ceiling in my house because I want that light to shine over everything. And so, so it should be for our hearts and our our walk with God. We're to be high up so that um, we can see that everyone can see, all people can see the light that our hearts and our lives are bringing. So, if I can return back to the physical seal metaphor, mixed metaphors today. Hope it doesn't bug you too much, but. Um, you know, I receive packages all the time. I was joking with a few folks uh, this week, um, you know, that the only reason I carry a pocket knife around is uh, because, you know, it's easier to open the, the packages that come to my door every other day. Um, but uh, one of my favorite companies to get packages from besides Amazon is uh, B&H Photo from New York City. 
because it usually means it's a package of new camera gear or something fun like that to play with. And um, on it's a special kind of seal. It's a tape that has like tamper resistant. It's like has uh, fibers in it and it has a has written on it special codes that say, you know, tamper evident. You can clearly see if somebody tried to cut into it before me. And um, it talks about on that tape, you know, that this is B&H, it's, it's the real thing inside. And then when I open the box, right, and this is the, the exciting part and the depressing part is how long it takes. You're like, cut open the box, you open it up, there's another layer of like bubble wrap and then there's more, more box and there's foam. And so it takes you 10 minutes to open up the camera or whatever it is. is um, but I had to take all those things off, right, to get to be able to use the camera for its intended purpose. I could never use that camera for its intended purpose if I kept it in the box. And that, I believe, is God's intention for sealing us um, like this. He's, he delivers us to a place that we can accomplish his purpose, right? So the seal of that box is important. It's got to get from New York City and whatever, however it goes in many different trucks. Liz could probably tell me about how, how often how, or how crazy that would be, the process to get from New York City downtown to Halifax, Pennsylvania. And they do it overnight, which is crazy. I don't know how they do that. But um, this, the, there is a purpose to the sealing. Um, and even Jesus talks about it when he said in Matthew 16, 25, and sorry, Vince, I don't have the scripture in there, but uh, that says, he says, Jesus says to us, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so there's this aspect of sealing of, of God that we kind of get backwards sometimes, right? We think that it's all about safety and about comfort. And don't get me wrong, I think that that Jesus is about that. One of the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is our comforter, but I believe that uh, God calls us to a different sort of safety and a different sort of comfort. And I think, as I was praying about this, I, I think that we sometimes uh, limit the safety of God, limit the comfort of God to just a, the short-term period of our lives rather than saying, God, you're keeping me safe for eternity. You're keeping me comforted for eternity. And so uh, back to that box that comes in the mail, right? That box is important. The way it's packaged, uh, it gets that camera to the place where it can be used, right? And I'm going to rip that box open, not so because I want to hurt the camera, but because I want to use it. I want to use that tool for me. And there's, um, there's no doubt, think about this, that it'd be more comfortable in life if we stay in our boxes, Right? If I had to, you know, pick, sometimes I just want to stay in a box. Maybe you think about it, a rainy day, you just want to stick in your box. Or maybe you're, you're seeing a, a problem unfold in front of your eyes in a grocery store. And you're like, man, I just want to stick in my box right now. It's really uncomfortable. I just want to stay there. Or if you're a teacher in a classroom, you know, if you're a parent with an interaction with your child, I just want to stay in my box right now. It's comfortable. I'm safe. I'm protected. You know, an argument with a spouse or argument with a, a coworker, a disagreement with anybody, you know, I want to stick in my box. I want to be comfortable with this. But Jesus is calling us and God is calling us and sealed us for protection and not just a limited life protection, but an eternal protection and safety. And it's literally delivered us to exactly the time and place we are most desperately needed. So I think every generation, and I'm only speaking from my generation, but I've heard it said from others older than me and younger than me, have, have called you know, the current time that we're in 
the, the worst and the craziest and, uh, and, and it, maybe by some measures it is. But I think in times past, 60 years ago, you probably could ask somebody and they could have said the same thing. Yeah, this is a rough time during the, the midst of World War II, during a dark period, you know, after the atom bomb has dropped, you know, perhaps even earlier than that when there's a civil war in the U.S. or thinking internationally, you know, when there was, when there was chaos around the world, when the slave trade was happening, all of those things, you could look back and you could say, this is a crisis. This is a, there's a desperate time we're needing this. So it's not just the day and age we're living in right now, but it is also the day and age we're living in right now. The world desperately is in need of people who know why we're sealed, who, who sealed us, but also what the purpose of the seal is, right? We're not to be sealed up in a box to be kept there. We're sealed up to be delivered to the place that we're to minister to. Um, and so we, we know that we're sealed in the fullest sense of the word, right? We know we are his, we know we are genuine and authentic from the inside out, that we're made holy, that our purpose and our, our cooking reflects our citizenship or where we're from, like that Louisiana cook. And we trust God to deliver us to the place that we're most needed, that we're safe and ready to get to do the work we're authorized to do. That's another exciting thing. We're authorized to do this stuff. The last part of Ephesians uh, 1, 13, after, after that, establishes the second part of the seal, um, which, so uh, let me back up a little bit. Contractually speaking, right, in order for a signature or a seal to be valid, it's always got to be accompanied by something called consideration. If you've ever, ever taken any legal classes or law, um, this is a real thing. Uh, consideration is required to make a contract complete. You can't just sign it. You've got to have something with it. So we call consideration like a deposit. Uh, sometimes that's consideration. There's money that's changing hands, so you know the contract is valid. It's not just a paper. There's actually money exchanging hands. Or, you know, what about with a marriage relationship? When, you're, when you get engaged, right, most of the time you have a ring. That's consideration for the contract. It's not just a, a paper. It's not just a promise by words. But it's, it's a consideration. It's a uh, promise or a down payment, another way to describe it, deposit. It's a pledge, so it ensures that the seal or the signature is not just words. It's something, it's, you're backing it up with something real. So our God has not only sealed us in every aspect of the meaning of the word, uh, but also his down payment or his pledge to us or his promise that what he sealed us into and what he's doing for us that is real is the Holy Spirit. And that should get you a little excited that, wait, wait, we have the Holy Spirit and that's the pledge right? So that's, that alone is exciting that we're sealed by God for these things. We're authorized. And, um, and now the Holy Spirit seals us. And that's the, that's the reality. That's a sign that this is true, but also that it says in Ephesians 1, 14, that Holy, the next verse says the Holy Spirit is only the pledge or the first installment of the whole thing. So I can get a little excited when I know that it's not just the down payment, right? But the Holy Spirit is the down payment. He's an awesome down payment. Don't get me wrong, but he's just a part of it, right? We are yet to, and we're just starting to experience what God has for us in the full sense of that word. So if I may share this, the best is yet to come. We're still 
just experiencing the down payment of it. And, and I don't mean to diminish what the Holy Spirit is doing now. I think that underscores the fact that if the Holy Spirit is ministering to your heart, like he has mine, if, he's, if you've seen miracles, if you've seen God move in your life, know that it's only the first installment. It's only the engagement ring on your finger. It's only the, uh, the down payment or the deposit on that contract. It's only the beginning. The best is yet to come when we're walking in the Lord. So that gets me a little excited. I hope it does you too. Um, and and if I if I may, I want to want to read um, the right the, the rest of Ephesians uh, one, starting in verse fifteen, and just kind of meditate on this, if, if you will. Um, For this reason, I too, this is Paul speaking to the Ephesians, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ which he raised when he raised him from the dead, sorry, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority and, and power and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all these things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And there's, there's just an aspect here to me that is powerful. Um, you know, I was, during prayer this morning, we were talking about the awe of God and I was sharing about how, um, you know, for, for years, the, the song, I stand in all of you was playing in a, in a worship chorus in a, at a church many years ago. And, and I, I sang it as, you know, A-L-L rather than A-W-L, right? They, and they kind of go in that, in that uh, song uh, both ways. Like I stand in all of you, I stand in all of you. But today, you know, we are, we're here and God has called us to a place of standing in all of who he is and standing of all in the fullness of being sealed by him, right? Um, so I would encourage you today as you're thinking about the seals, thinking about that document that's sealed, remember that you are genuinely marked by him, that you're created by him, that you are marked by him and authorized by him to do these things. And you're also sealed and protected by him too. And to not limit God's protection to just that that lifespan of our physical lives, but remember we're protected for eternity. The devil can't have us as we're his, we're God's. Um, and so this morning I'd like to close by just saying, um, let's, let's pray together and ask God to, to minister to us. So Father God, we just thank you that you have sealed us. God, I just thank you that you have uh, sealed us in every aspect of that word, God, to, to minister to us, to mark us as yours, first of all, to mark us as, um, as created by you, to mark us as authentic and genuine by you, Father. And God, we even just take this moment to pause for a little bit, to just even have that benediction in our hearts of, of being made holy in you, God, of you declaring in us new purposes. Father, just like that cook in Louisiana that we are recognized where we're from as citizens of heaven, God, and we just mark ourselves um, as citizens. And we also just say that God, because of where we're from, that influences every aspect of who we are. 
our cooking, our life's work, God, what we do. And God, we just even receive now the authorization too. We receive the new authorization not to walk in judgment, but to walk in healing, to walk in setting people free, Father, today. So we desire to do that, God. And Father God, we also desire too to walk in all that you have for us. We desire to walk in that protection that you give us, but also to be realized that we're delivered for a purpose, Father to set people free. God, thank you for delivering us so that we can be a ministry to others. God, thank you for delivering us, for calling us, for sending us, for giving us that great commission to go. And so God, we receive all these things today. We receive all these things, Father, and we trust you, God. Thank you, God, for sealing us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for... Reminded me to be sealed by God today. Bless you.